Grand Theft Podcast, episode 126, The Legalities of Handmade Business with Christina Scalera, part two. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers Jess here, welcome to the show. It has been raining buckets here at my place and uh, discovered a leak in the roof in my room by the wall where the roof turns into the veranda roof. So I came into the room and saw that there was water like seeping through the architrave at the top of the wall. And uh, Nick's away visiting a friend so I'm like okay I have to sort this out. So first of all, I'm like, maybe I'll get on the roof. Then I realized I didn't want to be an entrant in the next Darwin Awards. So I said, no, that's not a very good idea <laughs> when it's raining and slippery on a metal roof, two stories up. And then I tried to get in from inside the roof cavity, but it goes really narrow and there's no way I was going to get down there. So the third option was on the actual veranda, climbing a ladder, getting up, shoving a whole bunch of silicon in there. <laughs> And some plastic to try to divert, stop the leak and divert the water outside stop gap measure till it dries up and we can fix it properly but it seems to be working so well done me uh, apart from that the weather is awesome the garden is looking amazing the grass has come back to life so the drought is over which is fabulous i hope the weather is not treating you too badly there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now fires and cyclones and hurricanes and stuff like that so i hope where you are everything is a-okay this week we have part two of the legalities of handmade business episode with the lovely christina scalera if you didn't listen to part one i highly recommend you go do that now before you listen to this episode it's uh, episode 124 because we cover a lot which is why i broke it up into two episodes we cover a lot of stuff about handmade business legalities Uh, so enjoy this part two episode if you want to find out more about christina you can do so over on her website thecontractshop.com okay so i've got a question kind of related to that and you know we talked about names and, and stuff like that what about your actual designs so you know i've got a range of uh jewelry designs that i've created over the years and you know i i make a point of not looking at my competitors i don't see i don't look at what they're doing i just sit down with my sketchbook and i come up with a design i make a prototype i i try it out if i like it then i you know photograph it write the description and then i list it online now what can happen when you do that is you put it up there you've created it but then you go looking for it and you discover someone else has made something incredibly similar (laughs) what's what's the deal there like can uh, am I fine because I've I can show my development process that I've come up with this, um, or is, is there a danger that that person can turn around and go, hang on a second, you've copied me, even though you know you haven't. So this is something that's very problematic and common in the creative community. How do we deal with that from either side of the equation? Yeah, for sure. So this is going back, um, and again, like I don't want to get too complicated. There's a <laughs> lot of nuance here, but this is typically going to be more of a copyright and not a trademark issue unless you know that shop is just known for that phrase or whatever right um then it would be a trademark issue but because trademarks just fyi those identify the source of a product 
So, for example, if somebody is known for, let's just say, the word hazel, I'm just Mm -hmm. making this up. So I'm sorry (laughs) if this actually applies to someone. Um, Like, or lemonade, right? Like, Mm. everybody hears the word lemonade, they think of Beyonce, probably. (laughs) so, you know, that that could be, I, I don't know if it is a registered trademark or not of hers, but at least when you hear the word lemonade, you, you might think that it's coming from Beyonce. Um, and so that's a source and that's a trademark. Now, on the other hand, we have copyrights, which is also what you're talking about. Um, so maybe your design isn't famous yet. Maybe nobody associates like your design um, with your brand yet. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's maybe not a good indication of a trademark, but rather a copyright. So there can be an instance where there's both. Typically, though, that is not the case. Usually it's just a copyright that we're talking about in the situation that you've laid out. And so where um, where copyright infringement happens is there has to be two things that are present. So one is access and two is similarity. And what I mean by that is if there has been access to that creator, maybe, um, and this actually happens more often than you think, maybe you accidentally like signed up for her email list like a year ago and got some free download that she did and forgot all about it, didn't even remember it, but you created this thing and it's actually very similar to that free download or something else that that person has created. That actually happens a lot. Right. Um, and so, you know, oops, like it's, it isn't, it isn't your fault, but it is. Yeah. Um, there's been access and, you know, especially where they can prove it because you're on their email list. That's the situation where I would be concerned as the creator of that. Um, so making sure that there actually hasn't been access is the first step. And then the second thing is similarity. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly fact specific. I have seen <laughs> crazy cases where it was like, this is obviously like you could lay a a trace paper version of this over the other one and they're exactly the same and I've seen cases like that go um there's been uh, no infringement found and I've also seen cases where I'm like that doesn't you know this really poorly drawn tiger (laughs) looks nothing like Tony the tiger but they you know they win for some reason and so um well sorry there's no like winning or losing in civil cases Mm -hmm. but they at least they at least, there at least is a, an instance of infringement that's found. Right. And so, again, incredibly fact-specific. And the only way to determine if there ever has been infringement is to have a judge um, or a trier of, of, of law decide that there has been infringement. And you don't want to get that far. Right. So, practically speaking, um, you know, if you know that you've had access, just general you again, um, if, if there has been access of some sort, it's generally a good idea to think about taking that design down and just going forward with some other thing, adding something to that design to make it yours. Um, because the point of copyright law is actually not, at least in English-speaking countries, I've never seen this to be the case, um, the point of copyright law in English-speaking countries is not to shut down other people from stealing your work. It's actually there, and the whole purpose that was created was to encourage the creation of derivative and new and creative works. So the hope originally with copy, I know it's kind of crazy compared to like what we think about yeah. it now, but the, the real intention and the, the whole heart behind copyright law was that, um, well, we will give artists and authors and you know choreographers and sculptors and all these creatives, we'll give them a shelter so that they can create freely 
and people can't steal their direct work, but we want to encourage people to create these like derivative works. So we'll protect their work in the hopes that more people will, you know, basically build on what they've done and create new things and mm-hmm. be inspired and, um, you know, have this safe haven for, for each artist to create. Right. And so if we look at like the purpose and the spirit of that, it's, it's still, <laughs> it's a little dampened, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if, if that is a situation where you pop on Etsy or wherever you're selling and you just happen to see somebody, um, it's always important to use a tool like Wayback Machine, which is a website. I think it's actually called archive.org. Mm-hmm. So it's www.archive.org. You know, see if they were first or if you were first. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> make sure that you accidentally weren't subscribed to their email list at some point, <laughs> dumped off, forgot who they were. Um so make sure that there's not access and then, you know, similarity, if it's uncomfortable to you, mm. it's probably going to be uncomfortable to them. Right. Uh, which would lead to a situation like the Pac-Man thing that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that if it's a big company, though, like I'm I'm there with a the little guy and I'm actually we're going after these big companies right. yeah. for, for money. But I've never, you know, when I was at my company, I can't say that we were ever in earnest going to pursue mm. uh, like mom and pop shops. We just wanted it taken down. No one was ever going to go after them for money. So hopefully that's good news. Yeah, definitely. And this brings up a couple of things. Like you talk about access. I'm thinking like, what if you accidentally, you were on their Etsy shop like two years ago and saw it and forgot, or what if you saw it on Pinterest and then forgot and you've pinned it like two years ago, like that would be an example where they could trace and go, Hey, hang on. Like you actually, you've pinned this thing two years ago, you have seen it before. So I guess being aware of even those sorts of things perhaps is important um, when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, it happens all the time Mm. and I hope nobody's out there being like, Oh, I should just never create anything again because (laughs) nothing's new in this world. No. I mean, it's, it's just incredibly rare. If it's, if it's your own, I I write all the time. Like Mm. I literally spend most of my day writing content, blog posts, sales letters, emails, whatever. And if I, if I lived in fear that I would have like the same three words that someone else did, I would never write anything. I would never yeah. do anything. No one would ever hear about my companies. Um, so, you know, it, I think it's silly to live in fear. I think there's always going to be instances where things are similar, things mm-hmm. like this happen, and you just have to deal with them and move on and know that if you truly are creating, like nothing is ever going to be exactly the same. It's impossible. I mean, even your your calligraphy, let's just say you're a calligrapher and you're writing something, like your script is never going to, your script from a month ago isn't the same as your mm. script from now. So, um, so it's just, it's never going to be exactly the same. And, you know, it could be a different color. It could be that you're, you know, you're shaping your ease differently these days. It mm. could be that if you're a jewelry designer, you're using a different material than the person that you um, originally got that inspiration from. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with inspiration, whether we forget that we're actually being inspired yeah. <laughs> in these kinds of situations or like we're actively looking for it. Um, you know, it just, it has to be that little bit different that, that changes things and that's enough. Awesome. And yeah, so I think, and this is what I, I think you're backing up what I usually tell people because people get really really kind of emotional about this whole copying thing like if they create something and then they find that someone's made something similar 
you know, you never know. Like it could, they could have created it independently uh, of you. So in that case, you feel bad about yourself feeling like you've copied them or perhaps they've created something later and you've stumbled upon it. You have no way of knowing if they've copied it from you or if it's just something that's independently arisen. So generally what I say to people is just move on. Like there's really no point in trying to fight this or, you know, or, or worrying about it. But, you know, if you've created something and you know, in your heart, you've done it, you know, out of, in the best of intentions, just, just go with it. And if you see someone and you think they've, you know, copied you uh, now, this is obviously I'm talking about designs. I'm not talking about someone, t- you know, you're a photographer, they've stolen your photo. That's a different issue. But if, you know, they've created something that looks similar to what you've made, I think just let it go and move on. Life's too short. Focus on your business and what you can do to create new things and keep your business growing. And yeah, I think this is where branding is so important, Mm. right? So always tying back your shop listings or your designs or your um, calligraphy or like whatever, photography, anything, tying it back to your brand somehow. So I've seen this incorporated really well in some Etsy shop owners who um, I think you get five images and that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, I think they've just added more recently. That's really new though. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, so either way, like they were using that valuable real estate to have either a picture of their logo or, you know, even smarter, trying to, wait, you know, find a way around the Etsy terms and conditions to get them onto their email list for a free opt-in. Um, I thought that was pretty smart. But, mm. you know... I, always tying something back to your brand, mentioning the name of your shop, um, sending things in branded packaging, just something so that people associate that little logo or that name with whatever it is that they've purchased from you. And it's it's something that, from one, a legal and a financial standpoint, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to protect a brand than it is to protect, you know, all 57 of your designs. Right. Um, but the other thing is that you're building that equity and you're, um, you know, you're building an asset and we don't, we don't really consider that as small business owners, big businesses do, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm fighting right now with a company that is, you know, a middle of mall women's fashion retailer. And I'm pretty sure that company is going to go out of business soon. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's going to be left are these brand assets that they have their logo, their design, their name, um, their email list. So those are all assets that you're building and and that you can build independently of other people that um, it's not even a legal thing. It should be something fun that you're already doing in your business Mm -hmm. and just knowing that you can always like rest on that instead of trying to like play a -a whack-a-mole game with everybody that pops (laughs) up. Yes. Um, Hopefully that's less exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really good point. I like that way of looking at it. So another issue that comes up a lot Somebody takes a photo and they put it on their social media, whether it's a photo of their product or a photo of whatever. And then somebody shares that, like that photo from Instagram on their on, on their own Instagram, or they take that, that photo and share it on another social media platform. Uh, one of my, one of my audience actually said, is there anything we can do to stop them? I think the answer is probably no, but I wanted to ask you like, cause you know, what, what can we do to reduce the likelihood of that sort of thing happening? Yeah, for sure. So there are things you can do to stop them. Again, it's kind of like that whack-a-mole game. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that has popped up is the digital millennial copyright act. And that's, 
something that any website provider, um, search engine, uh, photo amalgamator like Pinterest, anything like that, they all have to have a, a registered Digital Millennial Copyright Act DMCA agent that can respond to problems like this. So, okay. for example, um, something pops up on Pinterest. It's your image. It's being shared. You're not comfortable with it. Maybe you wanted it to have your watermark on it or whatever. Mm. I don't believe in watermarks, but yeah. that's a different issue. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's getting shared and you want it off of there. As the copyright holder, one of the rights that that you get to enjoy, and by the way, there's no registered copyrights in Australia. There is in the U.S., so it's mm-hmm. really interesting. That's like something we could talk about, but I don't think it's important. But um, <laughs> anyway, so like as the copyright owner, whether it's registered or not, you get that. That is why you have a copyright because mm-hmm. you get to enjoy that privilege to say where and when and who can use that image and how they can do it. Um, you know, you can <laughs> if you want to let. 5,000 people in the world use it and your competitor uses it and you want them to take it off their Pinterest board, you have that ability. Okay. Um, so you can actually write in to these DMCA agents, ask them to get it taken down. Now with Etsy, it's it's a little bit more tricky. Um, I, I have to like add the Etsy disclaimer because mm-hmm. it is such a powerful search engine. And I'm sure Amazon Handmade is going to come into this as it gets us to be a more powerful player. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I've seen people get in trouble is they have asked rightfully so, infringers or competitors' um, works be taken off Etsy. There's like a 14-day kind of um, purgatory period, I don't know what you call it, that you can submit this this problem request. It gets taken down for 14 days while while this problem is um, hopefully alleviated. The parties talk back and forth. Um, But where people sometimes get in trouble is that the other party you know, not, not so surprisingly gets really upset that they wake up and like their Etsy shop listings are down Yeah, and, um, you know, they, they can threaten and sometimes they do take some kind of legal action against the person who initiated the, the takedown requests. And so it's important to know that they are within, they may not be right, but they, you know, let's just say they have a boyfriend, a sister's brother's friend, who's a lawyer that takes the case for them. Like, that can happen. So I always, my first like knee jerk reaction in a situation is exactly what you were talking about earlier, Jess, like giving people the benefit of the doubt. And as hard as it is putting your big girl pants on and saying, listen, person, I'm going to have a conversation with you. And I know it's probably a mistake. (laughs) I'm going to be super nice to you in this first message, but here's my problem. Um, And just, being as fat, the the mistake that people make, and this is where lawyers are different than like lay people when it comes mm. to these situations. Being as factual as possible, as much as you are like punching holes through the wall, um, like just <laughs> taking all the emotion out of it and yeah. just being super factual is is what's going to help you. Mm. Um, writing an email that's like. I know you probably didn't mean to do this, but, and your designs aren't as good as mine, but, you know, like, these kinds of messages. Um, as much as we want to, like, let the other person know that we're really upset, mm. it's not going to be beneficial in the long run. So trying to take that emotion out of it, uh, and again, this isn't, like, a legal tip, but mm. this is just a communication thing, like, stating on September 14th, 2014, I started selling this design. It has sold 5,000 units. 
on September, you know, 20th, 2017, I noticed that you were selling a design that some people have told me is very similar to mine, whether it is or not, right? Like see the difference between being like, Hey, your design looks just like the one I've been selling for three years. And I can't believe you would do this to, you know, so Mm. (laughs) taking the emotion out can be really helpful. And, um, I won't say it works every time, yeah. but it definitely, I believe, is more successful than than the emotional letter or just like the side swiped, you know, like blindsided takedown requests where they wake up and, and their Etsy shop is down or something. Or calling them out on social media publicly. For that, yeah. Not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had this happen to me once. Yeah. Um, I had somebody email me and said, I found this Etsy shop. They're actually literally using your product photo. So I did, I did, you know, first of all, you're like, holy hell, why has somebody stolen my photo? But then I did what you said and, and I actually convoed the person via Etsy privately and said, yeah, somebody has made me aware that you are, and it was literally my photo. So there's no confusion there, um, that you have, uh, put my photo in one of your product listings. I would respect, you know, respectfully ask that you remove it, please. And they did like, they never got back to me, but I checked a few days later and they'd taken it down. So yeah, and, and I was very, just very factual and straightforward about the fact that, you know, it's pretty obvious, it's my photo, please remove it. Um, so that's, you know, that private one-on-one conversation is usually where we want to start, I think. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing that everybody forgets to do is take screenshots of, like, everything. Oh, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if I did, but that's a really good point. Take a screenshot. <laughs> yeah, taking screenshots that, you know, you can preserve that date or time in the upper right-hand cor- or left-hand corner, depending on your computer, um, you know, just putting them away in a Google Drive folder, and you may never access it again, but if if anything does happen, mm. it's always nice to have that, um, because there are tools, like I said, like inter- uh, archive.org, or it used to be called the Wayback Machine, yeah. um, that you can use to, like, look, but if it's not a well-trafficked site, it's really hard to see what used to be there if, if they change change anything. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really good point. So, yes. So I love what you said about the, the millennial Digital Millennial Act because I'd had no idea about that. So, you know, you can actually, if somebody's taking your photo or whatever, you can go, you know, obviously this one-to-one thing is the first step, but you can actually take steps to get it removed if it's causing you issues. So that's really, really good to know. Um, I do want to touch on the watermark issue because I'm very (laughs) anti-watermark. I think there's no point and you're just hurting your business by watermarking pictures. But I'd like to hear your perspective on that as well. I mean, the attorney in me is like, of course you should watermark. But (laughs) realistically, it just looks so tacky and cheesy. I've never seen anybody do it really well. Mm -hmm. And I understand the, the point of it. Um, and I, I definitely understand with stock photos, right? Like you, you don't want someone just doing a screenshot and then mm. they have your photo. Um, which, by the way, if anybody is listening and you're like, how do I check if anyone's using my photo? Images.google.com. You can <laughs> upload a screenshot and you can look for photos. So it works if you're trying to find that cute little dress that your friend had mm-hmm. and you have a photo of her wearing the dress. <laughs> um, it also works to see if someone has stolen your photos. Right. <laughs> That's a helpful tool. But, yeah, I, I mean, watermarks are – it just, to me, it's an antiquated concept. Um, you don't you don't lose any rights necessarily to your copyrighted works if it's not watermarked. Um, you, you can if, if you don't put, like, copyright 
with a little circle C underneath it mm-hmm. um, or circle R if it's registered, you, you can lose certain um, abilities to ask for things like damages if there's ever, if it ever comes to that or, um, you know, because they're quote unquote wasn't notice mm-hmm. compared you know, for the government. Um, but anyway, I, I just, from a legal standpoint, like I think any lawyer would be like, of course you should watermark. But again, from a design and branding standpoint, which I just talked about why branding and, and like your, your brand voice is more important to me than a watermark. Um, you know, hopefully that's, I don't think that everyone's going to do it. And I'm, mm. I, I'm not trying to convince anyone out there. I'm just kind of saying my personal thoughts about watermarking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I mean, and, and like you said, um, I think what we've just talked about is helpful for people whose work is art. So they've, they're a photographer and they're selling their photos or they're a, a print or a graphic designer and they're selling their artwork or any sort of artwork that, you know, if somebody is, you know, taking that and reselling it or sharing it, there is a, you know, there is a way to stop that from happening uh, because you have the copyright just by being the designer and being able, uh, sorry, the creator and um, being able to show that you are the originator of that item and that, that photograph or that artwork. Yeah. I, one, th- one more thing I would, I would just like to add is, um, you know, one of the other reasons I, I just don't believe in it is because I, I think you get more sales. Mm. Um, if sales is your goal, I think you get more sales from having very limited or no watermarks on your products um, just because, you know, like there's, there's going to be people out there that find your, fo- you know, you, you could sell a stock photo and it goes on someone's blog and they steal it from their blog and there's no watermark on it at that point. So, mm. you know, I, I just think that you're going to get more sales from people who can actually clearly see your product and, and really envision it. And, um, you know, when there's a watermark there to me, it tells the customer before they've even purchased from you that you don't trust them. Right. And yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> Well, to use, I, I wish I could take credit for this example, but again, this is Kurt Elster with his unofficial Shopify podcast, but he uses the example of the internet being like the back of a car, like a trunk of a car, right? <laughs> and so we're all just kind of like opening up our trench coats in the back of our trunk <laughs> and trying to sell stuff. There's no digital storefront, like the, or sorry, there's no brick and mortar storefront. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that we're going to be there the next month. And, um, you know, by by putting that, it's it's like going to, to a shop with like bars on the windows. It does, it's just not inviting. Um, you know, the, the door is like hard to open. It's, it's you're like, is this? Are the lights even on in here? Like, it's just it's it doesn't really breed that that sense of trust. So you know, do what you have to with your stock photos. I get that, but again, like if someone has to take a screenshot and blow it up, it's going to be crappy resolution anyway. It's going to look really weird, but yeah, that's what I would think. If you're, you know, uploading art, obviously to the internet, you want to upload a low resolution file. It's not easy to print. And I think most artists and photographers are pretty uh, aware of that. And I was, you know, with watermarks, people who uh, make them the most unobtrusive, generally that means they're in the corner or something. Someone can just crop it off anyway, you know, if they really Mm -hmm. want to steal it and print it out so it doesn't really stop people from from doing that unfortunately i wish there was some kind of technology here's an idea here's a business idea out there (laughs) i wish there was some kind of technology that when someone right clicked on a photo a watermark appeared Ah. so that it was just like impossible to take a screenshot without a watermark but you could still view the photo with like no watermark that's a brilliant idea (laughs) somebody somebody create that (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, for real. Like, there's your there's your software as a service idea that you can yeah help people. That's a great idea, especially like on you know as a WordPress plugin or something. I don't know. That'd be exactly. that'd be pretty cool. Maybe yeah. it does exist. I don't know. We should look for this. That's a cool, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, God, my gosh, we've covered a lot in this episode. Um, is there anything that you would like to share or advice you'd like to give that we haven't already covered to our creative audience? You guys can get a free guide. It's a, it's been a really popular freebie that we've had. It's it's just called your legit plus profitable business guide. It teaches you. It, it it's like this. I don't even know how many pages, um, but it walks you through. It's got a whole checklist and it walks you through all the steps to getting your business up and running um, and profitable. So you know it it doesn't make sense to me to just have like some legal checklist that you mm. go through if you're not going to have a business <laughs> that makes money. <laughs> So there's both in there, and you can get that at it's a Bitly link. So it's mm-hmm. bit.ly forward slash legit profits with an S, and it's all caps. So L E G I T P R O F I T S. Excellent, fantastic. We'll have to check that out. We'll link to that in the show notes as well of this episode. Christina, thank you so much. That has been absolutely brilliant. It's answered so many of my questions, and I'm sure it's answered a ton of questions for my listeners as well. Um, if you, those of you listening, if you have any, you know, follow up questions or any clarification questions, make sure to leave them, um, in the comments under the show notes so we can follow up on that. And thank you for Christina for coming on the show and being willing to share all your awesome legal knowledge with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. And, you know, if you want to find out more about what Christina does, you can head on over to her website, which is Christina. It's thecontractshop.com. Yes, and it has lots of really awesome uh, resources, especially if you uh, do need contract help or, you know, you're going to go into business with someone else and things like that. Go check it out. There's lots of um, resources there for you that you can use for your business. Huge thanks to Christina for coming on the show and sharing all of her knowledge with us. If you have any follow-up questions, head on over to the blog, createandthrive.com, look for episode 126 and leave your question in the comments below the show notes. I'd love to hear what you think about the show. The absolute best way to do that, well, there's two. Number one, if you could head on over to the Create and Thrive Facebook page and leave a review there, that would be absolutely amazing. So it's just facebook.com forward slash create and thrive or leave a review on iTunes and I'll check that out as well. So I hope you're having a wonderful week. I hope you have a wonderful week to come. Remember, find out more about Christina on her website, The Contract Shop dot com and you know we're coming up to the busiest time of year so i hope you're feeling good i hope sales are going well for you and that you're going to have your best holiday season yet i'll be back again next week with another episode of the create and thrive podcast and goodbye for now